morning, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. It is Friday, May 5th. Welcome to the Busy Mom Podcast. Whoop, whoop. So I have a lot on my mind today. I was I was just talking to Jay about what to even title this podcast because there's so many things uh, moving around the blogosphere right now, so many things on the news. I am actually in Ontario, Canada right now getting ready to speak for the OCHEC conference. We flew out to Toronto on Thursday morning, so yesterday morning at the crack of dawn, and we've arrived here and just so much on my heart, and I'm actually really excited to be speaking to uh, Christian home educators in Ontario today. But I want to just kind of talk about a few things that are happening in the news. Of course, you guys know me by now. I like to keep up with current events, and it's getting uh, challenging. (laughs) It's challenging to keep up with things because they change so quickly. And uh, this week, of course, is no no different than any other week. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I read an article by Jen Hatmaker talking about basically uh, how disillusioned she is and how hurt she's been after she came out in support of uh, gay marriage and called it a holy union. She was frustrated and uh, it sounds like surprised at what she called the backlash of the Christian uh, community with regard to how she handled that uh, how how she handled that topic. And I read an article just a couple of days ago on the Religion News Service by Jonathan Merritt, who writes on faith and culture. And he wrote an article called, While I'll Take Courageous Jen Hatmaker Over Cowardly Critics Any Day. And so I was reading, uh, you know, reading his article and, and kind of trying to take in his point of view. And then I read an article before uh, Mr. Merritt's article came out called, Who's in Charge of the Christian Blogosphere? Which I think probably was a reaction to Ms. Hatmaker saying that she had been terribly wounded and she wasn't sure how she was going to recover. Well, a couple of things that, you know, like me, uh, Jen Hatmaker is a public figure. So anytime I I write a, a blog post or anytime I put out a book or anytime I do a podcast like this one, I expect a certain amount of uh, dissenting opinions. This is the way it is when you're a public figure. But it brings to me to point a larger issue, which is countercultural living. So as Christians today, I guess we're we're kind of a church in crisis, it seems to me. All these people who claim the name of Jesus and have different opinions on teachings that have been held uh, by the church for literally thousands of years. And so the question has to be, uh, what's changed? Because certainly the Word of God hasn't changed. I think we could all agree, what whichever uh, side of the aisle you fall on, whether you fall in the more liberal Christianity or you're more of a conservative thinking theologically and oftentimes politically. But the point is, at least for me as a mother and watching my children growing up in this culture of rapidly changing Christianity, the question for me is, has God changed? Does God's word change to fit the culture? Has it changed to yield to what we see as a cultural shift? And certainly, I think we can all agree that there has been a massive cultural shift. And so I'm going to talk about this for the next couple of podcasts and sort of bring uh, uh, some things I hope to mind that will make you think and hopefully get you back into reading your Bible, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what Heidi St. John says, doesn't matter what Mr. Merritt says or what Ms. Hatmaker says. It really matters what the Bible says. And I'm kind of shocked that there are so many Christians questioning uh, teaching that has been in the church for thousands of years because the Bible is not as hard to understand as we're making it out to be. 
we're saying, well, uh, the culture has shifted. And I thought it was interesting uh, that Mr. Merritt in his argument saying that Jen Hatmaker was courageous for coming out and going against uh, traditional Christian teaching with regard to homosexuality. He was saying that, and I'll just quote him, he said, Hatmaker's original sin was that she broke ranks with the evangelical powers that be on same-sex relationships. Okay, I just want to stop right there. Uh, because this is important, you guys. You're going to read all kinds of things on the internet. You know, uh, for better or for worse, the internet has given every person who has access to it a platform in one regard or another. And when uh, Mr. Merritt says that Jen Hatmaker's original sin was that she broke ranks with the evangelical powers that be on same-sex relationships, I just want to push back right now and say she actually didn't break ranks with the evangelical powers that be on same-sex relationship. She broke ranks with what the Bible says on same-sex relationships, what the Bible says with very clearly about homosexuality. This is not a gray issue in the Bible, but it is a gray issue in the culture. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more grateful I am and the more thankful I am that God's word doesn't change. The Bible says in Isaiah that the grass is going to wither and the flower will fade, but the word of God will stand forever. So uh, Jen Hatmaker went on to say in her original, I mean, this came out a while ago. And so uh, because she brought it up again in her in her latest blog post now, of course, Twitter's on fire and she broke the internet again. But she said that if her, she found out that one of her children was gay, she would love them just the same. Well, that's not controversial. So I just want to point out, if, one, if I found out that one of my children were gay, my responsibility is not to uh, disown them. My responsibility is to love them. We're supposed to love people. We are called to love. I talked about this last week, that if if we're just known for throwing the Bible at people and hitting people over the head with the word of God, and we don't have any love, if we can speak with the tongue of angels, the Bible says, but we don't have love, then we just sound like a gong. And part of me thinks, I actually agree with Jen Hemmaker on this issue. Uh, I think that what she, the mistake she's making is she's throwing away truth on the altar of mercy. So she's saying, uh, you know, because she knows so many people who are gay, which we all do, right? She knows so many people who are gay that somehow there must be nothing wrong with it and we need to love them and we need to let them live in what God says is sin. And uh, if an LGBT friend of hers got married, she said she would attend the wedding. Well, I here's where I'm going to here's where I'm going to differ with her because I've had this discussion with my kids and in fact one of my kids it's been a, maybe a year ago or so since we had this discussion said, "Hey, if mom, if I were ever to come out to you as gay and invite you to my wedding, would you come?" And my answer was no, I wouldn't come because I'm not going to support something that I know the Bible says is wrong. First of all, I'm not going to celebrate it with you. If you told me that you had decided to become a heroin addict and asked me to come over and watch you uh, take your first hit of heroin and celebrate it with you, would I do that? No. Why would I not do that? I wouldn't do it because I know that in the end, that behavior is going to cause you harm. It's going to damage your body. It's going to damage your mind. It's going to it's going to take you off the trajectory of living that God would have for you. And the same thing is true when we decide to live in what the Bible says is sin. If you decide to enter into a relationship that says, I'm going to be living in perpetual sin, then no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go and support and support you in that. I'm not going to go celebrate that at your wedding. Am I going to, am I going to love you? Yes. We are called to love people, but we are also called to speak the truth in love. If we don't speak the truth, we're not really loving people at all. 
We're not really loving people at all. I was talking uh, just last weekend. This is the end of a three-week back-to-back weekend uh, stretch for me. I was Last weekend, I was doing my women's conference, Fearless, down in Houston, Texas. And I was talking to those women about what it means to live counterculturally right now. And Titus 2, if you if you take the time, I hope you will, go in go to the book of Titus and read what the Bible says, uh, what Paul, who's addressing uh, Titus and ta- addressing the church, really. But the theme of Titus is self-control. So it starts off by saying, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So it's so much easier. So this is serious business, right? The the Bible says that the grace of God has given salvation to all of us, but it's not just salvation so that we can, you know, uh, sit back on our haunches and just decide to live an uncontrolled uh, life, to live an ungodly life. The Bible says that the contrary is true, that the Bible teaches us to say no to ungodliness. The Holy Spirit helps us to say no to things that God says, that's not good for you. That's going to hurt you. That we are called, according to God, to live upright and godly lives in this present age. He didn't say, "Well, if the culture changes, I guess you know that's the accepted uh, that's the accepted wisdom of the day." And so God's word no longer applies. It's so much easier, whether it's then or whether it's now, to just blend in, right? To lower our expectations, to make excuses for our behavior. Paul is addressing the church through Titus, but he's talking to everyone, not just pastors, not just teachers, not just leaders. He's talking to every person who's just reading Facebook right now, or who's just listening to a podcast, or who's uh, scrolling through a magazine, or reading a newspaper. It's countercultural to show restraint. And I think I just want to say that, to, uh, according to the Bible, the sin of homosexuality is no different than the sin of greed or a sin of adultery. Sin is what separates us from God, and it's countercultural to show restraint. That's why Paul is addressing uh, the church through Titus and saying, listen, uh, the Bible is teaching us to say no to ungodliness and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, meaning that as children of the living God, when we entertain a thought, because we all have uh, desires, right, that aren't godly, Right there, we have desires as parents that aren't godly. We have um, things that we want to do that we know. Oh man, that's not a good idea. And so we're called to live self-controlled lives, and it really is countercultural to show restraint. Every single one of us deals with something in our lives that we know that if we take that thing to its end, it's going to hurt us. Right? Alcohol. Hello, just for starters. I mean, we could talk about this for hours and hours, but we are called to live lives of self-control. And it sounds to me, as I'm reading all these things going back and forth on the on the blogosphere, that what people like um, Mr. Merritt and Ms. Hatmaker are doing is saying, you know what, forget that self-control thing, forget what the Bible says, because Jen Hatmaker says that after a careful study of the Word, she's come up with a different opinion than the Apostle Paul. And I'm not really sure how we do that, except for to say, you know what, I love these people so much, and they tell me they struggle with this, and they love each other, and so God must be okay with it. And that's not what the Bible says. We are called as believers to uh, adhere to a standard of truth, and that comes from the Word of God. And somehow in the culture right now, we've shifted that, and we've said that truth doesn't exist anymore. And so as I as I finished reading uh, Jonathan Merritt's article and I'll tell you, it's frustrating for somebody like me because I love the Word of God. I also happen to love uh, my friends who are homosexual. 
And I know that in many ta- many cases, you know, we've talked to them and they've got, they'll, they'll love me. I'll tell them, listen, I, this is my sin. This is what I struggle with. Your sin, you're wearing it outwardly, but it's more than just wearing it outwardly is saying, I give into it. I'm going to live in it. I don't believe that God is big enough to, uh, to be the Lord of my life. And so therefore this thing that is so difficult for me and so painful for me, I'm just going to, I'm going to give into it. And that's kind of what Jen Hatmaker is giving them permission to do is saying, you know what? You're right. God's not big enough. He, he, he's not big enough. So let's let's twist the Bible to the point where the verses we're reading will confess to whatever we want them to confess to. And that to me is frustrating as a woman who loves the Lord and wants to live my life and wants to live in right relationship with the, with the Lord in front of my kids, right? And the church is not innocent on this. Uh, one of the points that Mr. Merritt made uh, later on, and I'll link back to his article so you can uh, read it for yourself. But he said, consider the Gospel Coalition for a moment. They are a massive blogging network that has a formal institutional structure that purports to provide oversight and accountability. And they have been, uh, and and they have been, to put it frankly, a raging dumpster fire online. They allow unhinged racists like Doug Wilson to have access to their community. They have allowed a post on their site calling Christians to develop a stronger, quote, gag reflex when talking about gay people, which I, hello, again, not Jesus. I mean, if we're going to have a gag reflex towards gay people, then we better have a gag reflex towards everybody because we're all we're all sinners, right? But this guy's going on to say that uh, the Gospel Coalition— provided cover for people like uh, C.J. Mahaney, who was embroiled in a sexual abuse controversy in his church, and for Mark Driscoll, who uh, Merritt calls a raging egotist whose teachings and behavior left a wake of damaged Christians in Seattle. All true. And then he goes on to say, if that's what institutional oversight looks like, I think I'll pass. So here's the thing, Mr. Merritt, you're confusing institutional oversight with just going back to the simple word of God. This isn't, this cannot, this can never be about institutional oversight. It has to be about whether or not we are adhering to the, to the words of Jesus. He points out that this kind of behavior reminds him of Jesus' words in John 16, 2, where Jesus said, for you will be expelled from the synagogue and the time is coming where those who will kill you will think they are doing God a service, right? So he's saying that, that everyone who's come against uh, people who hold opinions like Jen Hatmaker's and claim to be Christians are being expelled from the synagogue because a time is coming, according to Jesus, when those people who would expel them from the synagogue and kill them think that they're doing God a service. But the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 4 also said that a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound teaching, but instead will listen to false teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear, for they will accumulate for themselves, uh, the ESV says, teachers to suit their own passions. You could kind of have a mic drop right there, couldn't you? Because that's exactly what's happening in the culture today. So I I would argue that it doesn't take guts to express views like this. Uh, I would say that it takes guts to say, actually, this is what the Bible says, because you know who's really going to take a hit? It's people who say, you know, this is what the Bible says. This is what God says. And we're going to stand on the truth of the word of God. He says, I'm going to end with this today, and we'll come back on Monday, because we could do this for two weeks, right? But I don't have time. Uh, in one podcast. But uh, part of the article I just want to address really quickly is uh, he's again talking about uh, Miss Hatmaker writing this article originally saying that uh, she thinks that marriage, that homosexual marriage is holy. 
And she knew that angry letters would follow and that she might lose some fans and some followers and readers, but she decided to speak the truth anyway. And I just, I guess I want to just stop him again one more time and say, you're saying she decided to speak the truth anyway, but the truth is what the Bible says. So she didn't decide to speak the truth. She actually decided to depart from the truth and it's her her own uh, opinion and her own morality, which is not lining up with the word of God at all. And so as believers, we are called to know the word. And I think that's where I want to leave you today. We are called, if, if we're going to uh, to live as God wants us to live in the culture today where we see um, infighting happening in the church, the reason that we're arguing as Christians right now is because we have an entire generation of Christians who've decided that God's word is no longer the authority and that we can twist the word of God to do exactly what Paul said was going to happen in 2 Timothy 4 which is to twist the word of God and to make it so that uh, it conforms to our thinking or conforms to whatever the worldly passions are of the day. So I want to remind you again, go back and read uh, Titus 2 if you get the opportunity today. And uh, remember that it's countercultural to show restraint. It's countercultural not to follow our worldly passions. It's countercultural to say, you know what, I really want to do this, but God said, don't do it. Whether it's uh, cheating on an exam or cheating on your taxes or having too much wine with your dinner, right? God didn't say, uh, the Bible doesn't say that having wine with your dinner is wrong. It says drunkenness is a sin. And I'll tell you what, I see drunkenness all over the Christian community today. Why? Because we've swung into liberty. And so I'm going to come back on Monday. We're going to talk about the difference between liberty and legalism and what it means to walk in that tension between our tendency to swing to either side of the aisle. We tend to either swing to liberty or or we tend to live in legalism. Both of those two things are ditches, and the devil doesn't care which ditch he knocks you into so long as you're in a ditch. And I think that's the that's the real takeaway from the discussion, or it should be the takeaway as Christians that we're having with what's going on currently today. So I hope you guys will come back on Monday. It would do my heart good to see you guys leave reviews for this podcast on iTunes. You can do that by just going to iTunes and clicking on the little gear shift and you can rate the podcast and you can also leave a review for it there. Also, please uh, help me by sharing this podcast with your friends, sharing the link. And uh, I love to hear your questions. If you have something you want me to address at the podcast, you can go ahead and contact me at podcast at thebusymom.com. Hey, you guys, I just want to encourage you like I do every single day, get into the Word of God. If you're looking for a way to do that, you can subscribe and get my scripture writing challenge delivered to your inbox absolutely free. We are writing our way through the book of James this month. You can find that at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash scripture writing. And like the articles that I have talked about in the podcast today, I will link to the scripture writing in the show notes. Hey, you guys have a great weekend. We appreciate your prayers as my husband and I are in Toronto this weekend. And we'll be back on Monday talking about the difference between legalism and liberty. I'll see you then. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.